listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Los Angeles, California, and Maria Menounos, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV Spotlight On. Spotlight On is a long-form interview series featuring actors and TV personalities. And now, from the world's number one TV after-show platform, this is AfterBuzz TV Spotlight On. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ali Kona Bradford and I am your host today for Spotlight On. And for those of you who know me, know that the terrible British accent only comes out for one reason only. So get cozy, pull up some popcorn, because our guest is not only an artist, a poet, but the King Beastie. So please welcome Sir Austin Basis. Oh, Maria Menounos' new book, uh, The Every Girl Guide to Diet and Fitness. Oh, yes. Fantastic yeah. read. It is an amazing read. Hello, how and are if you? I was a girl. Oh, were you? You were every girl's. When I was a girl. When you were a girl. I would have bought this. <laughs> Five minutes ago. <laughs> yes. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Before he walked into the room. So, <laughs> I know. I'm a, like, I just went into a phone booth and changed into. It's like a guy. Superman, Super yeah, yeah, Austin. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. So I have to ask you because, you know, there was a lot of pressure on me for this episode because, you know, you totally put me on blast on Twitter and you have high standards uh, for hair yes, today. Yes. So, you know, I was trying I know. to, you know, am I, I okay? you showed up. Did, I think that, I like it. I like it a Good. lot. Does it move or does it? No, it, no, no. It's glued to my oh forehead. Oh my God. Yeah. See, look. All out. And the hoopties. <laughs> I know, right? Hoopties. Getting down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Next time you come to After Buzz, yeah, yeah, yeah. come early. I'll cornrow your hair. And oh, then that way, you know, we can have yeah. a little... It's going to have to go forward because <laughs> I don't have much in the back. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, you're yeah. on this fantastic television show, Beauty and the Beast. You have incredible fans. They like to send gifts. They do. What is the most bizarre, oh, my God, maybe I'm a little scared for my life, or, hey, this is really cool, gift that you've ever gotten from a beastie? Um, there's... Uh, International beasties tend to send some uh, uh, food from their really <laughs> from their you know respective countries, and one of the things I believe was like you know there's a European thing that they serve like meat in a tube like paste what? like pate type uh -huh. of stuff, and I think it was a chestnut paste, chestnut Ooh. meat paste or something <laughs> weird where I was just like. I, it, Thank you. Know, you. I, I appreciate the gesture, um, but the uh, I don't know if I'm gonna actually try chestnut, <laughs> chestnut meat paste or whatever it is. I actually Phil, if you could pull up my first picture, I have a picture of you with one of your gifts. Oh. Believe it or not, it might take a few minutes because we're warming up just starting okay, the okay. show. But yeah, I thought it was quite funny because somebody <laughs> added their own touch yeah, yeah, to yeah, the yeah. picture of you and your gift. But <laughs> yes. Oh, I think. Oh. And, oh, oh wait, no. Oh, that's oh. cute. Oh. Oh, nice. Okay. If you're listening to the podcast, we're actually about to look at pictures, so make sure you go on yeah, YouTube yeah. and you watch it. It'll make it so later. much yeah, more yeah. sense. We'll take pictures and post it to Twitter. There you go. There <laughs> exactly. you go. Um, okay, so maybe we're having complications. We can always come. It's complicated. It life is complicated. Life. After Buzz is complicated. <laughs> you know. So I wanted to ask you, you've been on yeah. a couple other shows. You were on Life Unexpected, yeah. Series Regular, mm -hmm. Ghost Facers, and then now Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. So what do you think it is about... 
your character on Beauty and the Beast, JT Forbes, that has acquired you so many fans, or did you already experience a lot of this before being on this particular show? Uh, I would have to say the, I did Ghost Facers on Supernatural first, and then we did a spinoff web series uh, about a year or two after the episode aired. And so I think with that fan base, it was very uh, there was a lot of fans in the UK that were extremely supportive. They actually did a Ghost Facer. Uh, convention Ooh. just for us as Supernatural has conventions yeah. all over the world and so the same people that organize those conventions in, in England and UK I think actually I don't even know if it was in England but um, they organized this Ghost Facer convention that I couldn't make because I had no. to work the Friday night on Life Unexpected in Vancouver and I couldn't get there in time but it was you know it was a success and there's always the, you know, talk of Ghostface just coming back. and uh, But I think with that, I, that was the first kind of, you know, that was when MySpace was... Uh, really cool. The, the yeah. Thing, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so I had a couple of fans on MySpace. And, um, and then, you know, with Life Unexpected, there was like, you know, this in-between time where Twitter was kind of just getting started. And we did some, you know, we did a cast page on Twitter. We did a Facebook cast page mm-hmm. that we posted pictures on our own um, to create publicity and stuff. And so uh, I feel like it was a slow and steady thing. But I think because Beauty and the Beast with the People's Choice Awards and kind of the, the you know, with the fairy tale and that theme behind it, I think has produced... Uh, um, a, a mania in in, a, in the fandom where I think they're addicted to the show in a way that I think the other shows um, that I've been on haven't right. had. And so I benefit because <laughs> the character happens to be the joke, you know, like gets the jokes and gets the fun yeah. stuff. And so, uh, and, you know, I take, try to take full advantage of that and what the, what the writers write for me. So as, how's as life JJ. changed for you then? How's life sh- being on something that is a series regular, excuse me, regular? Because before this, you did a lot of guest appearances on a lot of different shows, yeah. but this is now a consistent job, which is every actor's dream. So yeah. how uh, has it changed for you? Well, it, uh, I think I'm in that weird, it's like a weird, I, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm welcoming and, and I, uh, I'm respectful to the point where if someone came up to me, I would, you know, totally appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's an odd kind of weird phenomenon where you kind of go and people like, don't quite know where they recognize me from. So they don't say anything. And if they do, I'm not that like big that people are, are going to be like, Oh my God, it's you. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, um, I've had some encounters where people come up to me and I, you know, I say on Twitter, I, people like, I saw you in, in, you know, this has happened in Canada. It's like, my son saw you in Tim Hortons an hour ago. You're like, like, you could I'm say like, hi. what? How you could have said hi. He could have, I mean, it was her son, so oh. she's the fan. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know if her teenage son is watching Beauty and the Beast. If he is, uh, all hey. the power to him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think I'm at that stage where, like, people kind of recognize me, and if they do, they know it, and, um, I feel like I look kind of the same that I do on the show, um, minus the facial hair right, right. Uh, from this season. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it, it's it's a little different to kind of go out and you can, you're a little aware of that. Um, but do if you, that's the way it's going to have to be, if 
I continue to work and I'd rather continue to work and deal with whatever other stuff comes. But um, it's a, you know, really about the fun work and, and being employed and right, um, of course, you know, doing what I love. So do you consider yourself a celebrity? No, no, no. You're a working actor. It's weird when people say that. And, and I'm like, you know, I feel like celebrity is like there's an implication that you're celebrated for being famous and so your celebrity alone yields power but um uh, i i feel that you are celebrated though i know but it, i i feel like the character and my work uh and and the show are celebrated so uh i'm i'm much more <laughs> proud that the town we have dogs <laughs> in here um uh but we have uh much more uh Kind of, I feel like the celebration or the celebrity is uh, from the work and, and the show, as opposed to me being a public figure. Gotcha. Um, so I want to, I want to take yeah. it back though. Before, take it way, back. way, way before. Um, take really it back quick, to I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna from ask my school. engineer, do we have pictures today? Uh oh. Before I start queuing pictures, and we actually oh, don't have. Oh, here we go. Oh, okay. So. This is the first picture. This was the, the yeah. beastie gift. We're going backwards. I yep. like the touch with the blonde hair and the crown. It's very yeah. becoming of you. Um, and then our next picture, because just so I can catch us up a little bit. This is you and Nina from yes. Beauty and the Beast. That was a very, very, very cold day. Negative 30 something. Wow. Um, I think that was Celsius, but so it's, it was still, still cold. Still cold. It's, very, very cold. You know, it's about zero negative numbers in, in Fahrenheit terms. All right, so my next picture will have us up. I don't want to post it just yet, but like I said, we're going to go way, way back. Uh-oh. And no, 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 uh-oh. Oh, way, way uh-oh. back. Way, way back. You're from Brooklyn. Oh, right, right, right. Brooklyn. Yeah. I tried to get you to do the accent before, and you weren't giving it to me. I'm a little New York, Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn. Brooklyn I, it's York. hard to like go, you know, because I don't know. You, I need something to say that's New York. Your you car. Know, right? Pa- that's that's, that's a page. Park your car. Can you pull up our next picture, please? So, oh, he went away. You went oh, away. Right there. there you are. Okay, so, you know, being from Brooklyn, you you know, there's this... I looked really different when I was, <laughs> I was, I was a computer yeah. before I was a girl, <laughs> before I was a boy. You, uh, there's a stigma of being very rough around the edges, very yeah. tough. You played sports and all that. Were you a tough guy growing up? Oh, not at all. But no? I was a bad sport and I was the kind of guy that would... Uh, Kick bleachers? Fights oh. <laughs> with the refs and, and other team if... if Things didn't go my way. Yeah. So like my physical, lesson. like, did you get physical altercations? Um, yeah. Really? Yeah, okay. yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I was very <laughs> yeah. competitive and, you know, that's what I learned. And when, you know, kind of, I was a late bloomer. So when kids started kind of getting um, bigger and I was still little, I still kind of had that attitude. Um, and I was better at sports than most people, but it's still tough to, you know, um, it was still tough to kind of pick on a guy that was like twice my size. Right, and, right. Um, I became a little better of a sport then, you know? You're like, so. I'm just calm it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just yeah, a little. Yeah. Now, yeah. you also, while you're on the East Coast, that's where you yeah. got a lot of your acting training from as well. Um, I read that you went to the acting studio out there, right? The actor studio. Actor studio, yeah, yeah. okay. And I'd also read in your bio that some of the other people that attended that you encountered were Al Pacino, yeah, yeah. Faye Dunaway. Okay, first of all, how nerve-wracking as a brand new, well, newer yeah, actor. Yeah. But how did that, how did you grow from that at the same time? Were you super nervous from that? Um, I feel uh, when I worked, I, I went through a whole program. It was a three-year program at the actor Studio. At that time, I was at the new school. But um, it's uh, it's now at Pace University. 
Um, oh, and okay, then the Actors that, yeah. Studio was the place where Lee Strasberg taught the famous method acting, and that's what people call it. But it's more like it's 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 sensory work based on your own life. It's his interpretation of Stanislavski. It's kind of boring if you're not into uh, acting, but there's a lot of there's a kind of a little bit of a science and a a, a technique that goes behind a lot of, of people's training. Um, everyone has a different way of thinking, but. Uh, at the actor studio, it's based on your own life. You use moments, sense, uh, you know, like uh, pictures and and um, things that you like objects from your own life to bring you back to uh, and and get you into a real a place where you're just living and you're not you don't have to act. Yeah. Um, and it's you know like that Pavlov Pavlov's dog thing mm-hmm. with the meat powder. So they'd ring a bell and they'd give a meat powder every time they'd ring the bell. Um, I think it was like that. And then so they kept ringing the bell, giving meat powder. And then after a, a certain, there was a conditioned response where they'd ring the bell and you start to salivate uh-huh. without getting the meat powder. Uh-huh. So it's it's that basic you know same technique where you're you're using all your senses to get you back to the place even though literally you're not back there right it's like you're recalling it not only intellectually but sensorily right um and so that's all those you know like pacino de niro a lot of you know a lot of people that come out of the actor's studio studied this and and um it's a great technique for film work Mm -hmm. um it's great technique for all acting um that that really makes a person puts a person in the reality of the circumstances and, and, and allows it them to believe it and in turn an audience to believe what's going on. And so once that training happened, it's like starting to work with people that actually were working in, in, in the real world and had most of the people I've, you know, the, that you mentioned won Academy Awards, you know, yeah. like their Academy Award winning uh, actors and um, in some cases directors like Arthur Penn. And, uh, and so all these people that I came into contact with early on, it was there was a nerve, there was a nervousness in dealing with it when you're mm-hmm. like, oh, that's you know, Al Pacino from Scent of a Woman or The Godfather or whatever, uh, you know, Dog Day Afternoon, and then you start to see how he's working behind the scenes, not the finished product, and so uh... you, you you get a more of a sense. One, he's not perfect the first time out. Right. Two, he he's he's willing to make mistakes. And he's willing to kind of work through a process and not try to be right, and and um, and also respecting the craft of acting at you know at the point where I met him, he was probably like sixty five or something or sixty. Yeah. Um. So that was you know twenty five, thirty years old, thirty five yeah. years older than I was at the time, and um. So to see that and to see that success, as opposed to you know come out of acting school and everyone else is. Looking for a job. Um, looking for a job in the yeah. same boat. And if, you know, you keep hanging around, uh, I think it's a good to hang around with every success level because you, you want to remind yourself that there are really good actors that aren't working. Of um, course. And should be. Mm-hmm. And then there are really talented actors that are working. So it gives you hope and, uh, but a respect for the people that um, are just as talented that have not had the same breaks. Um but yeah, the nerves—it's it, it, you get put it you put puts it into your performance. Put you put it into your focus, and uh, as an actor and a performer, you you start to learn to channel your nervous energy 
when you're doing theater specifically, when you have to perform every night in front of an audience and you, you know, you have nerves, you always yeah, have nerves. Course. So the nerves are diminished for, for me in over preparation and preparing as much as I can so that I know I've done everything that I could and I'm relaxed in, in knowing the material. Um, but also in using that nervous energy and almost like manipulating it a little uh, to your advantage, whether it's into a speech or anger or uh, an emotional moment or whatever it is, it, there's this weird tangibility to your nerves that you could like even like use as a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in, me, in I want to ask you this though. Uh -oh. yeah. um, having said all that, and right. you've obviously trained very right. thoroughly now You've done a lot of work, but specifically talking about series work, you've right. done you know a lot of supporting roles, sidekick, if you will. Right. Do you ever feel like because you have all this training and such a depth of knowledge and range of emotions that maybe you've not fully been able to showcase that just yet in your career? Um, I yeah, I always feel like uh, you only meet the challenges that are presented to you by the part and the the context, whether it's a film, a TV show, or a um, a movie, but luckily, I think with Beauty and the Beast um, and JT, the writers throughout the two seasons, and you know, hopefully, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the third season. I can't give any spoilers. Yeah. So, yeah. spoiler alert: everyone's yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, you know, uh, Be Beauty and the Beast survive. Yeah, right, <laughs> you know? right. Um, like, uh, but it, I think, I think the the what they've done with the character is. Whereas, you know, I love Liz who, who wrote Life Unexpected and um, she created it. The, the character, although, you know, that she had to write for math was, uh, you know, kind of lovable, love, lovable, hugly, hugging, you know, like mm -hmm. huggable, love, lovable, huggable, <laughs> cuddly teddy bear. That's yeah, what yeah. I want to say. Yeah, okay. Um, so, um, and uh, kind of... Uh, a little bit of a truth teller when it came to checking the character Baze, uh, when he was kind of doing things wrong against Kate because Math always had a crush on Kate and looked out for yeah. her, even though Baze was his best friend. And so I feel that was his purpose on the show. Uh, and he served it well. He, so he had his moments, uh, in a couple of the episodes, but for the most part, he was a supporting character, literally supporting for the the plot and the the story. And I loved a lot of the you know the stuff I got to do. A lot of it was comical. A lot of it was naive stuff. Um, but with JT, I think it's one of the, it's if not the smartest character I've ever played. It's 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 got to be one of the smartest characters, if not the most intelligent character I've ever played. But at the same time. Everyone has their flaws, and they've written into the character these flaws and this baggage from his past. Um, in addition to the fact that he deals with everything in a humorous, uh, uh, kind of pessimistic, you know, cynical like humor um, or biting humor, and so I'm able to like take the reality of these situations that I've been put in because a lot of the stuff that JT and Vincent and Catherine and Tess and Gabe have been put into our life and death. Yeah. And so, um, that, that's what you try to do with normal life when you are in a play or a show like life unexpected, no one's going to die in life unexpected, you know, talking to a girl, you, you want to, 
you want to raise the stakes of it to make it exciting and dramatic enough for an audience to watch that every week and be excited and be on the edge of their seats yeah. as if you could die if she says no. Like if you ask her to the prom and she says no. That is a death experience yes, of your ego. I know. Right. It's a small <laughs> death. Right. Uh, of my ego. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, my ego's died so much over the years. Um, but <laughs> it's back to life now. JT&T. Right? Um, right? Yeah. Uh, so... I feel with J- JT and, and Beauty and the Beast in general, it's been life and death, life or death circumstances. So when you go into a scene, the stakes are already high and you just have to live up to that. And out of that, I think the natural or my natural instinct is to break the tension with levity or with a joke, um, even if it's at the wrong moment. Right, right. Um, and I think that makes it more real for me um, and for the audience. And and the writers have thrown things in, in my direction. He has all these abilities that I find out about later on that I didn't know in the beginning. You know, the hacking stuff, I, yeah. I, I assumed. But, uh, Next season, you'll speak a totally different language. You'll right, have to learn exactly, that, too. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, who knows? Uh, <laughs> a language that no one knows. Right, really. like, exactly. You know, uh, It'll be like um, Elvish, like The Hobbit or something. Yeah, exactly. Oh, totally. Like, I, I wouldn't put it past JT to have made up his own language that he used to talk to imaginary friends right. when he was like a kid right. um, about science and, and, and technology and, and fantasy. Um, but yeah, so I, I get to do that. And now this sidekick character that is very intelligent and has a great sense of humor, um, he doesn't necessarily laugh at himself, but... He has a great sense of humor when talking about other people. Right, right. <laughs> um, for the most part. Uh, and they now, he now has an actual serious, like, love interest. And, uh, it, you know, it's a, it's an opposites attract situation, mm-hmm. but I think, uh, it's allowing both Tess and JT and, and Nina and I as, as characters to be way more three dimensional than a lot of characters you see, um, on TV or even in, in, in the movies or in, on, on stage mm-hmm. because it's, we're, we're living kind of, we try to make the moments as real as possible and as, uh, like genuine as possible, even though we're opposites and, you know, it's, uh, I think it's a fun thing to, to try to kind of explore that territory and be an unconventional leading man, even though I'm, the supporting character to, right. the, you know, the beauty and the beast, or we are the supporting characters. Um, that unconventionality of JT allows me to show all those things that I would in some leading role in another project. Right. So you do, you get a little taste of everything that yeah, is Beauty and the Beast. totally. Now, you also did an indie film that got a lot of awards back in the day. Oh, I, yeah. I, like I said, I'd like to take it back. You Uh-oh. know, uh, we're talking about you. You did a movie called Dorian Blues. Oh, yeah, And yeah. that's, the, at the time, was a little bit more edgy because it's a coming out story. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell me a, just a short bit about, like, who your character was and why you wanted to be a part of a movie like that. Um if, interesting story about Dorian Blues is uh, I went to the actor studio drama school. Mm-hmm. Um, our graduation was, I think, in, in June or May uh, at some point. And the day of the graduation, it was in, you know, we had done, we had finished school. It was just the ceremony. And they asked a couple of us to audition for this, this film, Dorian Blues. And like there was like three or four of us that went and and I, we knew the scenes. We were auditioning for both characters. It's two brothers. One was coming out of the closet and one was the jock brother. 
And so I had played sports growing up, but in general, I tended to play like nerdier characters, but I'm also big. So it's hard for someone to pick on me. Um, and, uh, and so I went in and with a, a buddy of mine from the school, the day we were going to graduate and we did these scenes, we did both two scenes and switch characters and played both characters. And so I did the scenes and, uh, at, coming out of school, you're like, I'm going to take anything they give me. Yeah, so, yeah. um, I was lucky because it was a well-written, uh, film and script and, I did this audition with my buddies and uh, they asked me to stay and they said, okay, here's the deal. You, we love you. You're great. I just, you're not quite the jock character. You're not like the young Paul Newman leading man mm-hmm. who the, the actor kind of had a young Paul Newman thing, Lee Coco. And then um, you're not quite scrawny or awkward enough to be a kid that's been picked on feels like an outsider. feels like, uh, um, there was a term I, uh, you know, like just an, out, just an outsider, just, a um, just a reject. You don't give that, that vibe off. So you're kind of, you're right in the middle of, so if we had to ha- have a character in the, in the movie that was both, you'd be it. But he's like, I think there's this character that, I, I you you could do if you wanted to. It's a smaller role, but it's impactful. Um, and I was like, okay, what's the you know? Do you have the sides, which is something you kind of train for in school, but yeah. until you get sides handed to you, and you're like, okay, take your time. You're like, how much time could I really take yeah. with this? It's like 15 minutes, maybe 10 minutes to look at this these sides and memorize it and bring it in as if you're saying it for the first time and you're the character. And so. The character is called Spooky, uh-huh. uh, and I have a tradition of like getting really cool name characters all throughout. Like Math from yeah. Life Unexpected, I was Spruce in The Ghostfacers. Yeah. JT Forbes is an awesome name. Yeah. It's, a, it's a two namer. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, always have to yeah, say JT yeah, Forbes. It's yeah. hard to say JT alone. Um, so I went out, and you know, it was like ten, fifteen minutes later. I was like, okay, I was ready. It was probably like five line scene, um, and. Uh, I come in and I do it and he's like laughing and it's like, he's like, you got it. He's like, he, uh, you know, uh, it'll start shooting in about a month and a half. Nice. And you'll come up to Albany for like, uh, you know, two or three times depending on the schedule. And, uh, and he told me the other scenes that I would be in cause we didn't get the whole script. It was the first scene is he meets him in the lunchroom, the main character who's played by Michael McMillan, who, uh, who was actually, uh, does, he was on true blood for a long time, he was the reverend. You know, like the reverend. Uh-huh, you ever watched uh-huh. True Blood? Like here um, and there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like the reverend that wanted to get rid of uh, vampires. Um, and then he becomes a vampire. Spoiler alert! <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so he's successful. And um, he, like I have a scene with him where I kind of, like in a weird spooky way, come on to him. Okay. Um, and uh, then we get both simultaneously picked on by the jocks. And, uh, who we both term Neanderthals. We call the jocks Neanderthals. So when I say that, when I call the jocks Neanderthals, he kind of, uh, strikes up, uh, like a note of like, ooh. And then I take him back to my basement, uh, in, really? in the next scene, okay. the scene right after that, get him drunk up, you know, bring in mugs and beer. Uh, <laughs> and then I do, I proceed to do a, um, 
a seduction dance. Really? From last okay. train to Clarksville. We're just we're gonna uh, have to watch this. I didn't quite catch the movie, and I'm definitely yeah. gonna now. I really have yeah, to watch the monkey it. song last train to Clarksville because it has these musical stops. So it's like take the last train to Clarksville, and I'll meet you at the station. Um, and so I do a crazy dance and. What was hard, at least I did it, and, and I choreographed the whole thing, and I'm like, I had taken dance class in school. Oh, so multi-talented, okay. I did, I, I did my own dance, and like, how weird and funky could I be, um, without being too adept at dancing and seducing yeah, yeah. someone with the dance? Um, that in itself is, uh, was awesome. It was a great set, great location, and, and great, uh, you know, camaraderie Vibes. with the cast and the, yeah. the, the writer uh, and director and his wife you know their parents housed everyone all the actors and it was like that really kind of fun thing and it was my first film out of school and a couple years later or a year later they were in festivals winning awards and, and you know getting released in the theater yeah and on and on DVD so, so. outside of that though yeah, yeah. You know, every actor goes through their dry spells to where you're doing good stuff, and then all of a sudden you have the years that are really difficult. Right. Um, and I had read that you'd also had a few years of being a quote-unquote struggling actor. So what do you find as struggling? And what did you do in between time to right. just make ends meet? Well, that was a non-union project. I didn't get paid for it. So um, it was right out of school for your reel. You want to put together yeah. film stuff for your reel. Um, so... Out of school, uh, my the advice I was given is just to audition for everything and, you know, obviously try to get an agent. I, I was able to start working with a manager pretty early, but that didn't stop me from submitting myself. Back right. then it was like not online, so I would read – I would buy backstage every week, mm -hmm. newspaper, look in the back section where they had the, the casting calls and go through it, mark what headshot I was going to send them and – if it was a project I wanted to do, I got involved in some uh, um, uh, improv comedy. So I did that. Um, all stuff that didn't, you know, make any money. Um, I got into the actor studio after graduating from the school, and that was a big thing. That's where I started, you know, doing all that mm -hmm. stuff with like Al Pacino and and Faye Dunaway, and, and Estelle Parsons was the artistic director, and she was on. Uh, if you remember, she. Won an Academy Award for Bonnie and Clyde. Ah, but yes. But she also uh, was the mother, Roseanne's mother on uh, Roseanne. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. She kind of talks yeah, like yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like, Roseanne. <laughs> like, that's uh, um, And then she really talks like that. Uh, but she was not, she's was she been nominated for Tonys, and, like, she's such a great uh, actress that she, uh, in running the studio, wanted to get the younger people involved with a lot of projects. And so I wound up doing, like, three, uh, three or so plays at the studio and they give you like a stipend to you know get to and from, but it's not it's not a lot of money for me. It was like I'm getting paid. Yeah, like I'm at twenty five dollars, um, so I can get my gas. Oh yeah, totally. Twenty five dollars. To and from, right? Lunch to and from, and we like without a doubt every night we would go out to the bar down the block and just get like wings and and beer with the cast. And yeah. I'm like, okay, so I'm making no money from this right. because. It's travel into the city and then I'm paying, you know. So then what'd you do? What was bucks. your job for money? Like, how'd you pay bills? I did. Uh, um, let's see. I was a substitute teacher. What subject? Um, every subject. Oh, but okay. I did theater for a little bit for like an extended, you okay. know, I think one of the, there was a school where the, um, the drama teacher was pregnant. So she was going on maternity leave. I did that for two months and then, um, uh, two or three months. And then, 
I just, you know, substitute teaching is you teach, you like you, you're just sub whoever is had absent. lessons so ready for you. Like, you just yeah, sometimes they had lessons. Most of the time they didn't. Sometimes I played like theater games and um, talked about going because I, I subbed in a school that I went to. So um, that was uh, that was always fun to like see what the kids are like now yeah. and see what teachers are still there and then hang out with those teachers in like the theater, the, the, uh, not the theater, the lounge, uh, the, the teacher's <laughs> cafeteria. And I'm like, you're still teaching here? You were old when I went to school. Oh, that's messed up. Um, no, seriously, but uh, you know. Uh, He's and, the teacher that you go to his class and you pop in the video, right? And yeah. you just watch a movie the entire class. And yeah. Like, this is awesome. Not many teachers like that. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I did that. I did... Uh, I was a bouncer for a little really? bit. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. See, you were a um, tough guy. <laughs> Lies. No, it's just, I mean, I, probably 20 or 30 pounds heavier and, uh, um, give yeah. me your, like, mean, like, your mean bouncer look. Dur- well, like, right in the camera. Just let him have right. it. Um, I have to take off my glasses. Okay, do it. It's kind of like one of these, like, you got ID? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I gave him a straight face. I gave him a like, ID? <laughs> It's hard. It's hard to do it. Like I'm so used to being like the nice guy. Um, but I, I, what I, I do like playing like tough guys. Tough guys. Well, not tough guys, but crazy guys and and you know dudes that are capable of like psycho crazy, crazy. psycho crazy murder stuff. Uh, that's always fun because it's so opposite of like who you are, normal life, yeah. and uh, um, and who I am. Thank God, most actors, yeah. it's the opposite of what they are. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, I guess not everyone loves playing those characters. Was uh, there any point though in your career though that you were struggling to the point where you like you were just questioning whether or not you um, should still be doing this? Well, when I uh, I kind of it was like a two or three year period. I would do different jobs, and so I did the sub two teaching, and then I would also do I also did that. I did cater waitering, where you'd pick up jobs at different events, venues, and and kind of serve hors d'oeuvres or. Um, bartend. I bartended at Brooklyn Academy of Music for a little bit uh, at the end of school. Um, at the end of college, I was a pizza delivery guy. Uh, I thought you were saying stripper or something. Stripper? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the face you were giving no. me. Pizza delivery. <laughs> I mean, you With could, the hat, the cap, I, I, the visor You could be a pizza everything. delivery stripper boy. A polo shirt. Pizza. Hut. I had to put one of those like light things on my car. My car was red. I had a red Honda Civic. Nice. But it was like perfect. I was like, this is the model car for Pizza Hut delivery guys. Um, made a lot. Of, that made a lot of money. You get like minimum wage plus whatever tips, tips you get. Yeah. Um, and every time you go out, they give you gas money. Uh, at that time, it was like fifty cents per mile or something. Uh, but uh, yeah, I also did uh, when I was out in L.A. When I came out here. There was a friend of mine who um, her husband owned an art gallery in, in Beverly Hills on Rodeo Drive. So I worked in the back and answered phones, made calls, shipped things when people bought stuff and uh, did all that stuff, emails. And so that was – I would just leave whenever I needed to for auditions and come oh, back. Nice. That was a very kind, kind of nice thing to have to work for someone I knew that understood and was able to like let me out. I didn't have to like get someone to sub my shift. I mm-hmm. would just go to my audition and then come back. Um, and based on what my audition schedule was like at the time, it was busy when I first got to LA because it was pilot season. But once I really started working in the summer, you know, you get a couple a week, one, you know, one every other week. Uh, and you, you, you do it like 
I'm able to kind of get away and then and be there and do whatever I missed while I was gone. It was and Beverly Hills is it's kind of central to a lot everything of everything yeah. where you needed to go. So um, or I'd go to an audition and then show up at work late and then stay late. Um, but that was a really uh, good thing. But the, I mean, at every point. Like now, I'm on a TV, yeah. TV show. It was worth I'm it. I'm like, when this is done, though, as soon as it's done, just like Life Unexpected, when that was done, I'm like, is that, was that it? Was that like, the? did I get cut off from having a part and a long-term job that I may never have again? Right. Um, and, you know, the year after that, not, not that I contemplated, um, you know, giving up acting, but you, there's a point where I've been acting for a living for like eight years or so and I don't want to go and do another job. So right. there you push the limits of your bank account, your credit cards. I was paying for a wedding that year. So it was like, you know, all these things I'm balancing and there was, you know, I came really close. I used to do when I was younger and living out of my parents' house, I would go to the end of my bank account and then have to do one of those jobs to fill up my bank account so I can do the free student film or the 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 play that I was doing without getting paid for it because you have yeah. to rehearse you have to do the play it's time consuming. you know time consuming that you would normally dedicate to uh, making money right um, and ideally that's you would do it becomes one and the same like now but as soon as Beauty and the Beast ends there's always like am I oh, gonna work again like, yeah I feel like I work again but it's like it, how soon will I be able to live as you know nicely and 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 as in the public eye as as beauty and the beast has allowed me you never know um so you take it uh you know take every day and take every section of the seasons and every you know 13 episodes now we have so coming coming back and um enjoy it for what it is yeah you hope there's more and 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 that way i get to keep doing jt forbes for I have a couple, actually, I would say I have a couple okay. pictures, but it's of past work just because I wanted okay, to pull yeah, them up. Yeah, yeah. Um, Phil, if I could have you pull up our next picture. You at one point, okay, this is from Grey's Anatomy, obviously oh, yeah, you're yeah. a guest, but I thought it was a little ironic because at one point weren't you accepted into uh, a potential medical school back in the day, like high school Well, I did go to, uh, I, I went to college. Uh, well, my high school was medical science. I was in the medical science program. So you so, are smart. Yeah, yeah. So I, it was, <laughs> yeah, math, it was yeah. math and science. Yeah. And there was a humanities program that you were, if you were good at like history and, and, and English, that's the, that's the program you got into. And if you were good at math and science, you got into medical science. We didn't really do any cadaver work or like stuff like that, but I took some AP classes and math and science. And, and uh, then you looked like that. And then I looked like that. I still wasn't a doctor, <laughs> no, I but I play a, a, a doctor now on TV. So <laughs> I have a, it worked, achieved it my goals. It worked like, out. Yeah. Dr. JT Forbes. There you Dr. go. Forbes. There you go. Sounds snazzy. Yeah. Let's go to our next picture. My head dun, is so dun, big dun. To Oh, it, it pops up on the small screen. Okay, oh, so back yes. in the day when you were doing commercials. Do they see that, though? Uh, yeah, I think they can see it on the screen on YouTube if you watch it. It's a picture of him as a pig. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, I don't know how long that must have taken you to get that on your face. Five hours. Yikes. I, it's funny as I remember seeing that commercial. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that was you, but you yeah. know, obviously remember that was you. Um, there were also rubber gloves that I had to wear because they, you know, the hooves. So it was a whole process. Well, first of all, it took five hours to put the, the 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 face and head on. It was a hood, and then they put stuff on my face. You could kind of see it in this shot. You yeah. can see the outline of my face. Um, and then they would spray me with, you know, uh, airbrush to make it pink. 
Um, That's a and long... then once I was in it, I would wear like this Under Armour like outfit so that I could like be cool all day. We were like shot it in Pasadena. And I also did appearances as that guy. Oh God! Creepy. Oh gosh! Um, and We're like so nightmares. The the suit was awesome. I wish I could save the suit. It was like a pink seersucker suit. Uh, and so what I'd have to do is I would have to take off the jacket every time. I I couldn't put the gloves on before the jacket because it didn't it like they didn't fit. So. I would have like these like three or four people like trying like, to put stuff basically on taking my clothes on and off and my hands on and off every take every different shot because it would you know it's like overheat and some makeup person plastering my what they probably did with Jay last season because usually around your mouth and around your eyes is where it starts to kind Creasy. of you know get you know kind of come away from your skin so you you want to make it seem like it's your skin so they put like this they have these little spatulas and they put like latex like soft latex that dries really quick and they'll just putty it and then spackle it and do the same thing over there and the fun. funniest thing is like the longest I went weird like light was running out and I had these things and the the hooves on and they took the hooves off and there was literally they turned it over and there's like a like a like a quarter cup of sweat that Ew. just poured out. It was just Gross. like imagine being in a rubber suit on a hot day and all day long. Gross, in, in disgusting, August, disgusting. Yeah, um, I smelled. I smelled pretty good because you know deodorant. Right, but, uh, sure, yeah, yeah. sure. Right. Um, can we go to our next picture? I was please. playing a pig, so yeah, I, it you suited. Know. It suited then. Um, okay, so this facers. was from Ghost Facers, and you know it's a it's a almost like a ghost hunter yeah. docu style yeah. TV show. Um, and the reason I pulled this up, I just want to ask you: while you're filming that, did you guys actually ever come across something creepy just because you were channeling that energy? Um, no, we were probably too busy trying to be funny. And oh. <laughs> um, no, he, nope. the thing with Ghostfed, that was from the web series. That was uh, the cast from the web series that everyone was from Supernatural Ghostfacers. And then Mercia on the end, she's on episodes now. Mm-hmm. She was kind of like the new intern because in the original episode, our intern died. Uh, so we lost our intern. That was the uh, the joke. The running gag that we'd lose interns like you killed Kenny, you bastard. Um, anyway, but uh, so we never really ran into anything because we had to film the thing. Like right. that was part of what the directors and the writers allowed us to do is get in there with real cameras and film all these scenes. And yes, there would be a professional guy that would come in and do like special effects shots mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. they needed to have a certain frame, a uh, certain composition in the shot to allow for the special effect to be put in there afterwards. And they'd come in with their big uh, HD cam, but we had mini cam, mini DV cams the whole time. And we filmed pretty much everything. So it was very spontaneous, very, you know, loosely based on the script, but we said the lines in the script, but we also added stuff Yeah, and we, they allowed us to do these interviews off camera, um, not off camera, but off out of the, the normal shooting of the episode because right. it was going so quickly that, we each kind of went in different periods of time. Like my character went off and they set a scene and I was able to kind of do an interview with the camera where I talked about myself and being a ghost facer and all this stuff. So, so no uh, ghost encounters, no ghost encounters. No, but well, all fun stuff. 
well then that that's yeah, all that yeah. matters that's yep. all that matters is you had a good time um what else was gonna ask you um oh you know what i want to bring up too can we go to our next picture really fast i mentioned in your introduction yeah, yeah. that you are not just an actor but also a poet and an artiste um this book tells where we can find this book and what what is it uh well it's um you can find it anywhere online i kind of uh published it self-published it on on smashwords it's a website mm-hmm. where you could publish your own books um whether poetry or short stories novels um and then they make it available to on every site itunes at, at, um barnes and noble amazon etc so it's some some things are different formats because like there's the kindle there was like different apps i mean uh, different formats and devices you can use for the the viewing of it but um I chose to do it digitally because it was cheaper and easier mm-hmm. for people to buy and I just wanted to get my poetry out there. But it's basically a collection of poems that I've written through the years um, and it was uh, – I called it an actor without an audience because that's one of the poems. But it's also uh, – I think at the time I was not working. I was in between you know, uh, Life Unexpected and ultimately – the next big gig that I got was Grey's Anatomy and Beauty and the Beast. And so um, I, I'm i a creative person and I, I felt like stifled because I wasn't being allowed to work and, and do that. Because you basically go to auditions and it's it's a very – it's not a very uh, kind of fulfilling experience. Right, of course. So you go to auditions, you do it, and then you wait and you find out. And the real fulfillment is like actually getting to do it and work with other actors and – uh, you know, where the costume play a, ca- a character, and I wasn't able to do that, so I, I wanted to put these poems together, and it's probably about um, probably like sixty poems or something like, uh, wow. you know, so definitely sixty pages because I have a little, a couple longer form poetry, but it's divided into different categories: love, hate, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. and the the last section is is something that I learned through school is like. You kind of keep a diary or a journal when you have time. A lot of times in TV and film, you don't have time. You get cast and you work the next day and mm-hmm. you just have to memorize the lines and do it. But um, I think the the most fun for me to put in the book was to reveal these poems I had written as the characters that I played. Interesting. So as part of, if I had time as part of preparation, like there was a, in Life Unexpected, I my character had a crush on Kate. And so um, Math had a crush on Kate. And so he knew her as, as a kid. And I wanted to write a poem to, to get an understanding and see how Math would write the poem because uh, he was an English yeah. teacher. He would ma- how he would write the poem of falling in love with Kate. Right. And then in high school, I wrote a poem where we, you know, like I was more seriously falling in love and I understood the dynamic of a guy girl relationship. And then ultimately for that episode where I, I kind of summon up the courage to, to say something and to try to ask her to on a date. or um, So I wrote a poem of reuniting with her and having her back in my life and all that stuff. And so I did that with all the different characters, a lot of different characters I played if I had time. Did um, you ever get to do one as JT? I did. I wrote one oh, for nice. Tess. I wrote, Aww, I wrote so a, a little love poem for Tess. I posted Aww. it on my uh, posted on Twitter, and uh, but it it was way after the book. Um, the next volume, it'll, oh, it'll make gotcha, the next volume. gotcha. But it was fun, like stuff like that is 
it allows me at least to um, do some work on the character, but the work is fun and it's creative and it allows that that kind of creative writing bug in me mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, be fulfilled and, and, and be utilized. Whereas a lot of people are, you know, a lot of actors are, you know, athletes or musicians or like they could sing. And so they get to do that while they act. So sometimes right. you get a part where you play a guitar or you sing or you get to do some crazy dance and everyone's like, oh, you can dance too. Whereas like, what am I going to do a part where I like write a poem you right, know, right, or right. draw a picture? Right. So those are my talents outside. Like my creative talents are kind of solitary talents um, that, you know, yield a, a drawing like that. Like that. Um, that's I drew that for Salome to try to when they were doing Salome at the actor studio, I was uh-huh. trying to design the the playbill that would be used in the Broadway version. So I was like, let me draw something really like cool and it never got used, but Aww, uh, boo. But I like it. I like it. It's a cool. It's the moon bleeding. So um, I want to end this though back on Beauty and the Beast because course. obviously people love you and they love Beauty and the Beast. Um and that's why the show came back, season three. How well two questions. A we had a really weird, yeah. awkward break in season yeah. two. So my first question would be why? And then the second question would be how much do you think that season three was reflective of the actions taken by the BCs, like the book campaign and the Rose campaign and the fundraising? Um, well, I, I think the the why of like the why the break, um, just because in, is that the yeah, first question? Yeah, first question. First, yeah. Um, I threw like eight at you. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, no, it was only two, but... I'll take the part, you know, like a quiz show. I'll take part one first. Okay. And um, so I think it's just because uh, of where we were in the ratings on, you know, the CW and um, the night we were on, they had some midseason replacement shows that they wanted to give a legitimate chance at succeeding and put them in our place to see how other shows did in that same time slot to see if you know if it's a time slot or the show if it was a time slot or the show and i think after a while they realized that it was the time slot um to a degree okay um okay. i think uh when they put the um the originals in i think that was a sh- show mm-hmm. actually yeah um no tomorrow people they put tomorrow people in instead of us and you're talking about you it, you have to play all these factors internationally we do really well they sell a lot of to a lot of markets around the world. We've won People's Choice Awards. There's a a, a solid fan base, right? In, you know, even in the states, even though it's small, it's always there. Right. And then in in you know France, we do better. I mean, I think with Spain, actually, we do better numbers there when we air than we do in, in wow. the states, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Um, and you know, France, Brazil, England, um. Uh, Italy, like all these countries that have markets and German, Germany, they, all these markets are big markets and they love you. Yield a lot of money for the show. And they know they have seasons and seasons of episodes or at least 44 episodes after two seasons to sell to different markets. And so, uh, when you're talking us versus a, a, a new show, we're a CBS produced show. So that factors in. Because there are other CBS produced shows and there's only so much room. So there has to be some Warner Brothers shows, have some CBS shows. And so they had to give these shows a shot to kind of compete with us. And the the numbers we built up over the years or the, the two years that we were on the air 
Over and all those years. I know. And <laughs> what the tough part is we didn't know, like, doing these six episodes, that these last six episodes, we didn't know what the final result was going to be. We were filming this with the possibility that that could be the last, those, the last shows. So what's great about that is that we have a season three is that these shows are like, you know, kind of power packed, jam packed right. with action and stuff that's happening like at the speed of light, kind of like the end of last season where like every episode, every commercial break, there was a new twist and turn and um, revelation. And so it's continuing like that into the finale and so that there is a some resolution with the arc that's happened over the past two years, but it opens up uh, a whole new the the finale opens up a whole new uh, storyline that could lead us into another another type of show in season three right. with the same you know basic you know the this the the romance Beauty and the Beast JT and Tess and you know we have all these. The, the factors coming together and season three will be, I think, uh, fun. And of course, <laughs> I mean, I, I heard from a couple of writers that the, the ideas are, are, are really cool. Um, and I think the fans know from the description that there's a basic overall arc of that. It's going to be Vincent and Catherine against, you know, the world. Uh, yeah. Against <laughs> the world and Tess and JT right there by the side. And, and, you know, un unforeseen forces and, um, you know, uh, groups, organizations, all that stuff. Did the, the that, I was yeah. saying, did the executives, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I was like, did the executives oh, yeah. ever hit you up and go, Oh my gosh, like your fans are in a right. good way, but your fans that are was crazy. The other part of the question. Um, <laughs> the other part of the question was the fans. So yes, the fans directly, um, I think had an effect and, and were, uh, impactful in getting us a season three. Um, because they, you know, they saw an opportunity when we left, when we went off the air. You know, not that they weren't doing things before, well, while we were on the air. They were trying to, you know, Twitter, the trend on Twitter, do all these like, you know, uh, self, there was a post-it thing where people would put post-its with, you know, uh, the, when the show was on and what, you know, what, that people should tune in. They did a, a lot of different events, but they all kind of, came together when they didn't have to worry about watching the show for two months. Right. That all they would, you know, had was the, to watch the shows they had already that yeah. they'd seen the first season yeah. and all the 16 episodes of the season two. And then to organize and come together and figure out a way how to save the show and to to push it into a third season. And, and I they think did. they succeeded. You know, like they got thousands of roses at the CW. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, it was... Uh, all their all their campaigns succeeded because we had a, th a season three. So. so this is your opportunity. I want you to look directly into that uh -oh. camera in front of you and give yeah. them your biggest thank you. This one right over oh, here. Oh, of course. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for my continued employment. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, because uh, that's a very rare commodity in this business. So people do a lot of pilots. You do a lot of auditions. Some people don't get pilots. If you do get a pilot... Most likely that pilot's not getting picked up. Yeah. Then if that show makes the air, most likely that show is not going to get a second season and we have a season three. So yeah. I think that's thanks Pretty. in part to, you know, the cast, the writers and the producers, but also the fans, the fans to really pulling us across the finish line and both from the first season to the second season and also to the third two. and the fourth yep. and the fifth. Exactly. Right. I like to do other work eventually, but 
But this is okay. As long as this lasts, I'll, I'll take the ride. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So we're running out of time. We're going to have to wrap it up. But I want to thank you for coming by and sharing us insight on not just uh, JT and Beating the Beast, but some of the other work that you've done. Because I think it's great for fans to get to know who you are and where you come from and stuff like that. So thank you so much. Your bindi. bindi. I'll bring one for you next time. I'll I'll braid your hair. We'll get it all taken care of. It's Cleopatra meets the Far East. You, you gave me Cindy Lauper earlier. I'm well, not sure how I feel the, about the, that, but you know. The, the side. Yeah, in there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 80s. So, yeah, so yeah. anyway, um, I know your fans already talked to you on Twitter, but go ahead and just leave them your Twitter one last time before we exit. Yeah, it's at Austin Basis. Um, simple, to the point. And then uh, Facebook is official Austin Basis. Okay, and I'm Allie Kona Bradford. Don't forget, you can look up his book online. He gave you the websites earlier. I don't remember them, and my bindi is flying all over the place, so yep. forgive me. But thank you for tuning in. Again, I'm Ali Kona Bradford. You can find me at Kiss My Passport or on com backslash television host. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 